I'm Art Miller. This is Art Class, and it's about to begin. Please take your seats. Welcome to the North Shore Podcast, the podcast about the lovely cities of the North Shore, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, food, and history. My name is Pete, and I'm joined by co-host North Shore history legend Arthur Miller. How you doing, Art? I'm just great. Thank you. How are you? Oh, can't wait to get this tour bus going. But before we start our class, we have a sponsor for the show, Dakota Insurance Group. They've got your back. Why? Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance Group handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now at dakotainsurancegroup.com. Okay, one of the goals of the podcast is for listeners to learn just a little bit more about the North Shore. Well, who better to teach us about the North Shore history than Lake Forest and North Shore history legend Arthur Miller? Okay, everyone, take your seats, fold your hands, put them on top of the desk. Our class is about to begin in Art's Tour Bus. Art, are we on part four? Is this part four of the North yeah, Shore? Part four, and I'm afraid it's going to be, there'll be five altogether. Oh, so, nice. Sorry. This one's going to be from the from the, the southern end of the 1857 street plan for Lake Forest, which was one of the very first railroad-enabled garden city plans um, in in the transatlantic world. It was within, the, it, certainly in the top, in the, in, the, in the earliest 10 of those, and probably the most sophisticated and largest uh, to its time in 1857. So we're going to talk about that. And then the next session, we'll deal with um, from the Lake Forest Line north uh, through Lake Bluff up to Great Lakes Naval Training Station. So hope that covers it. So here's here we go for um, the Lake Forest. We start at the Lake Forest, not at the city line, which is way down in the middle of what used to be Fort Sheridan, but more um, up by uh, the, the Wesley Road, which was the old, the original 1857 Southern Limit of Lake Forest as they as they planted. Lake Forest was founded by Chicago Presbyterians in 1856. They got organized with the Lake Forest Association to build a community out on the on the brand new Chicago to Milwaukee Railroad line. Actually, it went up to the state line and then met another line. Um, but it was one of the early pioneer uh, railroad enabled uh, suburbs. And it was a remarkable, in some ways unique, never really duplicated, but very essential to development of these suburbs in the Chicago area. Um, a lot of the ideas for this went into making um, the famous Riverside, which was by F.L. Olmsted. And we have pretty good evidence that Olmsted visited in Lake Forest before laying that thing out up there at, or down at uh, Riverside in 1869, he visited here. So um, let's, let's get started. I was saying at the end of last time that um, the landscape architect, Warren Manning, who came every spring from about 1896 to 1895 to 1935 to work for Cyrus McCormick II on his 100 acre Walden estate, which, is at the, which, which begins at the lake north of Wesley Road and north of his brother's later development um, Villa Turicum. Walden was developed by the, the McCormicks close to Fort Sheridan for protection after their experience in the Haymarket era. 
This was in 1895 they got started. That's the year after the next big strike. That was the railroad strike where they brought the troops from Fort Sheridan down into the city. So after that, the McCormicks decided it was a good idea to be on the other side of the fort, at least with a country place. They had a fancy townhouse, but they wanted a country place. So this 100 acres, after he moved the, he moved the road around for his, in 1908, moved it for Villa Turicum, um, Brother Harold, but then as it wound into Lake Forest, they wanted to go back to about halfway between the lake and the tracks. After, so after the, the, um, the, they built this addition onto the, <clears throat> built this, changed the route for Sheridan Road. Um, they wanted to, to slide back east. And so they went down along, basically along the line of Wesley Road to halfway between and then moved over, to, uh, then headed north, winding north along what was then University Avenue, turning it into Sheridan Road. The, the engineering, you'll see the engineering by this Manning guy. He goes around what used to be Bear College, is now the land for Woodlands Academy. And then he turns a sharp left. And that's the beginning of what was the Walden Estate. And then he winds around. And that, as it winds around down into a little, uh, past a ravine, goes over a ravine, you can see a culvert down below with some particular kind of stones. And that's Manning's work. He did that roadway. As you come out of that ravine there, over on the um, left is what was a 1920s development uh, called Northmore. Um, most of the housing, some of the housing, a little bit of the housing was built in the 20s and early 30s, but most of it got built after World War II. Um, but now it's a pretty mature neighborhood. If you go far west there, there is a South Park which was originally in an, uh, uh, the site for a uh, contagious hospital. It used to be that if people had contagious diseases, and thank God we don't have those anymore, um, they were put into a contagious hospital and quarantined. This, is, this would be in the period around the time of the flu epidemic of 1918-19, that sort of thing. On the other side of the road was the famous Ryerson estate. E.L. Ryerson built a, a, a big estate there. That um, was very famous. It had a Shaw house that was immense, an Italian villa. It had garden, formal gardens by Shaw, David Adler, who was then an assistant of his in around 1912, and a woman called Rose Standish Nichols, who was a formal gardener. That was spectacular. Um, in the late 70s, right before the city began to be big, passing um, ordinances to limit changes in neighborhoods to some extent. He tore down this immense house, which most had been from since the 40s had been a monastery, actually, and tore that down and laid out a, a, a property for 30 lots. So there now is a development there of 30 lots. The only building left is a, um, a stable complex um, at Ringwood on the uh, southeast corner of Sheridan Road at Ringwood that's been restored. Um, for a long time, it was owned by the daughter of the developer. It's now being fully restored by a new owner. Uh, it's got a dog, uh, a dog trot in between the two parts of the building. It's a typical Adler garage. Then you go north. We can't really see the Mrs. Nettie Fowler McCormick. Uh, those McCormick boys' mother built an estate back in there with their sister. 
Anita McCormick Blaine, and it's just an entrance to it. But if you continue north, you come to a really interesting house that's got a sort of circular portico in front of a big white house with a circular portico on the east side of the road. That was the Robbins house built in, it was actually built in the 1880s, remodeled with the portico um, by the Robbinses, by James Gamble Rogers, famous uh, architect of the period, did the Yale Library and lots of buildings at Yale, did the Northwestern Library that's on Sheridan Road that we talked about when we went by it earlier. And the Goodman Theater is named for one of the Robbins daughters' husband, Kenneth Sawyer Goodman, who was a playwright who died in that flu epidemic. That's a very nice house. You go north a little further and you come to what is um, the beginnings of Lake Forest College's campus. The, on the left, there's originally what was the Lake, it was at one point, the third location of Lake Forest Academy. Um, it's now out at, um, on Route 60, off of Route 60, but it, originally they had a campus there from 1893 until 1948. They were there for about 50 years. Um, it was taken over by Lake Forest College in 1948. Almost essentially none of the buildings survived from 1893. They were replaced in the 60s by uh, fireproof cement block dormitories for students. Um, and new dormitories have all been built there. There was a little gym that got torn down that they built. Now there's a large gym complex. The, the north or the southern part of the gym complex, 1968, was by the fellow that did the water tower building down in the city, Edward Dart. Edward Dart did also a house in, a few houses in Lake Forest. Only one is still extant that I know of. Maybe two are extant. Uh, but he was a major architect in the post-war era up until the 19, middle of the 1970s. Um, the north part is a more recent addition that was done 2009, 2010, I think. And it's by the a firm called uh, Caldwell, the Caldwell Firm, which is a big Chicago architectural firm, did it. As you go further north, you come to, on the right, you go down a little dip. Um, there isn't a bridge there. There's a culvert again. And, but before you go down into the dip, there's a little um, gatehouse. Now uh, this was a, at 425 North Sheridan Road. There's a gatehouse for what was originally the um, Robert Thorne estate, uh, 1915. He was chairman of the board of Montgomery Ward and Company. The house has been, was torn down in the fifties when taxes were high, but there's still that charming little gatehouse there. And they've been working on restoring the gate itself uh, in recent years. Across the street from it, on that side of the ravine, um, is a, a 1961 building uh, that was built as a president's house for Lake Forest College. It's no longer used as that, but it was an early Perkins and Will style, mid-century modern building, very uh, chic at the time, beautifully decorated, uh, now used as a, as a center for like the student affairs office and things like that. Going across the ravine, both sides of the street are significant. Um, and you're getting toward the heart of Lake Forest. On the right is the Lake Forest College campus. And there are some 1907-08 buildings that show that you're at the entrance to that middle campus of the, of the university. And there's a straight LA going up through between two big um, towers with a gate in between, sort of a Renaissance style gate. 
And those were the um, Blackstone and Harlan Halls of 1907-1908. They're still dormitories. They were built to bring fraternities back from creeping toward the Inuensia Club, uh, bring those those places back to the campus. The reason that they were heading toward the Inuensia Club was that it was a social thing, you know, and so you had a a gap widening um, between the scholarship students and the wealthy students. And of course, we never have this again either happening in this country. We don't have a differentiation between the classes. Um, But back then they did. So the college decided it wanted to bring the students back, gave them fraternity rooms inside these two halls. And then just to the east of that, built uh, with Howard Vendor and Shaw in 1908, medieval hall type dining hall um, for just men, but it was scholarship men and fraternity men. So that was quite an innovation in the community. Across the street, Shaw also built a big house for the Barnes family. Uh, Reverend Barnes was married to a uh, the daughter of uh, the Reed family that had lived there. The Reeds had given the bill, they'd given some of the money for the the Blackstone dormitory, and they gave beyond north of it, they gave uh, Bedford limestone covered library and chapel, 1900 by Frost and Granger, and so these buildings are echoed then in this 1909 building that's called Glen Rowan now, their house. It belongs to Lake Forest College, but it's a really great Shaw house. So still moving forward, um, slowly, slowly. We cross the main gates into that at College Road, into the campus, and across College Road, there is an 1860 house, um, 570 North Sheridan Road. It was one of the earliest of the Lake Forest houses of the group of Presbyterians coming out from the city to uh, live here. They were uh, coming to live near where their kids were going to school. There was a a wooden building that had been built for a boys school, 1859. And in 1859, just to the west of Sheridan Road on that college road, there was a girls school that was built for them. So this was to get their their kids out of the city. Well, the city was getting pretty rough. They were um, the little Presbyterian kids going to their private school back. They were getting beat up by the Irish mix, as we called them. And the Irish mix would punch them in the nose and they were dressed in their little Lord Fauntleroy suits, marching along and wham, they'd get hit. And they'd come home all bloody and their mom would say, do something, Fred or George, you know, get your kids out of town. So by 1860, 60 students were living in this um, 1859 wooden Lake Forest Academy school building that was at the corner of Deer Path and and um, shared these folks that, that had a bunch of kids, uh, the Holts built this house there. But Mr. Holt had one condition. He said, if I'm gonna build my fancy house at 570 North Green Bay Road or North Sheridan Road, I don't wanna have any stores on this side of the tracks. So they said gulp, cause he already had a store. So they had to change and move the business across the tracks right after the civil war. They made the promise that they wouldn't have building businesses there. He built it. It's a brick house, but it's covered in clabbered because he was in the lumber business. And it would have looked bad for his rep if he built a, a brick house. Here's a man selling lumber, built a brick house. So 
It's solid as a fort. It's got concrete floors, brick walls, fireproof, but the exteriors is all wood. Uh, the current owner had all that wood taken off, that original first cut lumber, and restored uh, about five years ago. It's fantastic. The house is elegant, regular style, Andrew Jackson Downing Villa. Um, it's based on the Villa Lante outside of Rome in Italy. Uh, handsome house. Um, it had great grounds. Um, worked on, the grounds are supposedly worked on by F.L. Olmsted, the famous uh, park designer, New York Central Park. Uh, by 1868, he did that. Um, then a little bit north of him, uh, passing one house, it's a newer house, but then there's a partner house. That was a regular Italian villa for Holt. He had a buddy who was an irregular guy and built an irregular Italian villa that was a little bit more dashing. It has a Chinese pagoda on the north facade with a gold leaf um, pedestal, concave pedestal, uh, incredible place. And that just sold, I understand, recently. It's a phenomenal house. There's nothing like it in the Chicago area. And that was built in 1861. Both of these houses had big greenhouses at the time. They don't have many more, but they had big greenhouses. And this irregular villa had an Italian garden built into that ravine. You can still see the vestiges of a, a kind of ledge-like space down below if you look into the ravine. You can look into it from the bridge, especially after the middle of November when the leaves fall off the trees. The bridge was originally built 1929-28, designed by the guy who was doing Grant Park at the time, Edward H. Bennett, part of the Burnham and Bennett Plan of Chicago Authors, 1909. Um, he lived in Lake Forest, built a house in 1916 over at the corner of Deer Path and Green Bay Road. But he built this bridge for the Lake Forest Garden Club. Now, why would they do that? Um, why was this fancy bridge put there? It's been rebuilt around 2000, but it's in the same style. Why would they have built that bridge there? The problem was that the Pennsylvania Railroad had passed an act in Springfield. Since they couldn't take tracks north of, Lake, of Chicago, they decided with the new trucks, they would turn Sheridan Road and Green Bay Road into four lane truck routes. And they would zoom up to Milwaukee and back uh, loads of stuff to put onto their Pennsylvania Railroad uh, trains to go east to New York City. The people who lived in Lake Forest were not crazy about this idea. Probably half the people that owned houses along there were lawyers. Um, so they set up the Lake, uh, the um, North Shore overall, North Shore Property Owners Association. With each town, there was a Lake Forest Property Owners Association, and they um, set about stopping this happening. They were getting that law reversed. They eventually built the truck route, which is Route 41. Um, but this little bridge with two lanes was the Lake Forest Women's Garden Club's very civil answer to this, a two-lane expensive bridge that made clear that, that was not going to become a four-lane road. So that was the subtext of them putting a two-lane bridge there. Don't even think about it. We're going to fight you in the trenches. We're going to fight you in the hedgerows. You're never going to get this into turning it into a four-lane truck road. So that's how ladies say it. 
Um, so at that corner, there had been that school on the southeast corner, there had been that school. It burned in 1879, and they built another building uh, further south near that gatepost that we saw. There's a yellow brick building called North Hall that from 1880 to 1893 was Lake Forest Academy, just a few years. It's now an administrative building for the college, but the, the, real, the Academy soon had its own campus where we talked about. What was the replacement building there? 1892, it opened, was Henry Ives Cobb's Town Gown Art Institute building. Um, it's in, it was originally all red colored stone and um, Ludovici tile on the roof, red tile roof. In around 2000, they took the red tile off and put a gray uh, slate type roof on to look like the adjacent buildings. But until then, it was a monochromatic, incredible Richardsonian Romanesque building by Henry Ives Cobb. The drawings are at the college. Um, considered to be one of the best Richardson Romanesque buildings in the Midwest. On the kitty corner of that was the 1887 Henry Ives Cobb and Charles S. Frost, Cobb and Frost Church for the Presbyterians. This was their now home base in Lake Forest. And it was the main Protestant church at that time. It has a tower. The first floor is all stone. That's the stone that they could rescue from the Second Presbyterian Church in Chicago, which is where they'd organized the uh, Presbyterian Asso Lake Forest Association uh, in that building. And so after it burned in 1871 in the fire, which we just celebrated the 150th anniversary of it, those stones have ended up in, in Lake Forest and were used in 1887 as the first story of that church. Well, there wasn't enough for more of it. So they used a shingle style development above that first story. It's all shingle style, a big, big roof, um, a big gable end with a typical of the period uh, pitch to it, a um, serlio window, three-part window, uh, Renaissance Palladian window in the front, uh, and then a big bell tower that was there also. There are some additions to the south that were done by Charles Frost uh, later. But that was originally the, the, the church was built. Uh, and it's been redecorated on the inside a few times. Um, but that certainly was the center of town with that new Art Institute building with that thing. It was halfway between, at that point, Sheridan Road is halfway between Forest Park, which was on the lake, the longest patch of bluff in Lake Forest. Um, and Deer Path went down to the lake on the same road that it does today. And it was then at the other end of it, they built the train station. So this was literally the center of Lake Forest. It was the first town center. First one of these really picturesque kind of towns that had a town center. Um, it wasn't a business center, but it was a, a religious um, educational town center. Uh, going north from there just a little bit, the first house on the right, 725 North Sheridan, is, uh, includes one of the earliest, it is the earliest surviving building built by a shared building built by these um, Presbyterians. It was originally the boarding house for Lake Forest Academy, located at 644 Deer Path. Um, when that house was built in 1870 there, they moved this over to Sheridan Road 
It's been remodeled many times by many different architects, including um, John Welburn Root, uh, who was Burnham's partner, and including um, the uh, Frost and Granger. They made additions to it. So it's a very, it's one of our earliest buildings, it's a beautiful building, that house. North of it is the Chapin House done by Frost and Granger, I'm sorry, Cobb and Frost in 1888. Across the street from it, a little bit further up at Walnut Street on the corner is uh, the Benedict House by Cobb and Frost, 1888. And that ended up um, being kind of a model for Cobb building buildings down at the University of Chicago. He built a, um, I think a museum building with that same tower. These are very important architectural elements across the street from that. Uh, is um, the original store from 1859 that uh, had to close because um, Holt said he wouldn't build his building there. They took a couple of store properties and put them together and made a house there, nine or 797 North Sheridan Road. Um, that's been there since 1867. Um, up to the corner of Westminster, you'll find there uh, the important house for on the north, the second house on the northwest corner is the big um, 907 North Sheridan is um, Alfred Granger's house. It was a very stylish English traditional, but Queen Anne and somewhat influenced by Stanford White uh, house. Then, and then it had one of the very first formal gardens in Lake Forest, 1897, walled garden that you drive along there. Continuing north, you have um, pretty soon the Winter Club. That was built by Frost in 1902. Um, and it was a sports place to go with the school. It's now um, been torn down. That was next to the Presbyterian Church. It was the Alcott School. It was a private school, but it didn't have a gym. So that was, in effect, the de facto gym for the Alcott School. Uh, that later merged with Lake Forest Country Day School over on Green Bay Road, South Green Bay Road. Uh, as we head up north, uh, we continue along, we come to Woodland Road, and then on the, as you cross Woodland Road, then on the left, there is a house at 110 North Sheridan Road, and that was the, uh, um, the Barnes Estate, another Barnes, who built an estate there uh, by Howard Van Doren Shaw. It's a really wonderful arts and crafts house in the style of William Morris, the famous guy. It had um, garden elements that were like ones for M.H. Bailey Scott, who was an important architect around that period um, in England. So it was very much an English arts and crafts house. Frank Lloyd Wright was doing American style arts and crafts houses, but the English arts and crafts houses of Shaw, this is one of the best examples and it's in beautiful shape. Um, going further north, you come to Crabtree Road uh, on the north, east corner of Crabtree Road. There's a 1935 house for the Williams family that was built by Boyd Hill. Um, it just appeared recently in a new book about North Shore Gardens. Uh, the original gardens were by Marshall, Mar Marshall Johnson, who was successor to um, Jens Jensen in his naturalistic landscape practice. Um, but there's new gardens there. Uh, recently, I think they must. I think they're by Craig Bergman, um, but it's a beautiful house with beautiful grounds. Um, continuing north, um, 
you go to the corner of uh, Spruce Avenue. On the left, Spruce Avenue going left or west of Sheridan Road was one of the early uh, African-American communities in Lake Forest. There were three African-American communities that go clear back. This one goes back, there's actually a house on just the other side of the street that goes back probably to the um, 1860s. There was just beyond that to the east, there's a stop from the Underground Railroad. Oh, I didn't mention that on the Lake Forest, uh, um, Lake Forest Presbyterian Church property, there's an 1859 stable that was part of the, was also an Underground Railroad stop. So the, um, the, the, the Lake Foresters were active in making it hard for the slaveholders in the South. They were trying to ship their, their capital north to Canada. Um, and along Illinois Road, they're actually developed just, just east of, of um, Sheridan. They developed an African-American community of considerable scale. Um, and when they did the 1870 census, the people all listed the colored, they listed them as colored people. That's what they called them back then. And they asked them where they came from or where they were from before they came to Lake Forest. And they all said Canada. They'd come down back because they'd passed through Lake Forest and said, this would be a good place to work. And they all came back. They had their own church and everything, their own neighborhood. Um, it was a very bustling community. Um, so there was that, those two communities. And then there was one, there was a West Side community, kind of where the Deer Path Inn is now. There was another African-American neighborhood. Uh, and they were service class working people in the, uh, for the big estate owners. And in 1850, when they were passing through and, and sort of working for people for a while, they knew more, some of them coming from plantations knew more about how to be rich than the new min millionaires in Chicago. They showed them how to be rich, uh, how to live like rich people. So it was an interesting symbiotic relationship they had. This North um, Spruce Avenue community was interesting. The house that's on the northwest corner of Spruce and Sheridan Road was built in 18, 1955 uh, by one of the old families. And what was interesting was it was the first time they allowed African-Americans to build a house on Sheridan Road. Before then, there was sort of a unwritten rule that they couldn't own property on Sheridan Road. Um, so this was, it, it's no longer, I don't think, owned by Black people, but it was, um, it was the Castleberry House, and they lived there until well into the 20th century, 21st century. Um, and they were a, a good local business family that survived for a long time. Their kids now live everywhere else. They went to Harvard and different stuff. But that house was kind of a, a the beginning of um, things changing in Lake Forest, um, having that house be built. It's kind of a two-story ranch-style type house that's built there. Um, as you go further north into toward um, the, the uh, line for Lake Bluff, it's a straight line. Um, there were houses mostly that are being, being torn down and for better better houses. But right up close to the line on the right, um, there's a wooded house. It's a 1920s house in there, owned by the Mattoon family since the 50s. And then just north of it is a Stanley Anderson, very nice, small, smaller estate property on the right. And these places back up to the um, Catholic cemetery. Uh, across the ravine, there's the Catholic part of, or the, the St. Mary's part of the cemetery. East of that further uh, across another ravine and over to the lake is um, 
the Protestant Cemetery, the Lake Forest Cemetery. It was organized in 1860 in case they had a whole bunch of cholera cases. Um, and it never materialized. So they didn't start it really rolling until the early 1880s. It was then laid out, um, probably the first time it was laid out was by a guy named Saunders who also did the Gettysburg Cemetery. But then it was really redone by W.L.B. Jenny, who is a Paris trained engineer architect, uh, built skyscrapers in the city, the earliest skyscrapers. But he laid out that cemetery again in 1883, and then it sort of took root. Um, it was then uh, updated, new trees put in and everything around 1902. Um, and then again, around 2000, it was fixed up. Um, so it's gone through stages, the cemeteries, but they were, they were an important part. People expected to die. When I first went to uh, see the, the cemetery in the early days when I got here, and I went down by the lake, there was a beautiful stone that said Reed, R-E-I-D. That was the Reed family. They had a house just across the street from that Holt House, just out south of the Holt House, built in 1872. Uh, it's gone now because it was just framed. It didn't last. I wondered why did they want to, it's sort of silly to have a lake view if you're dead. It wasn't that. The, the Reed family lost three or four of their kids to uh, consumption, which is now was later tuberculosis, uh, different ailments in their childhood or young adulthood, very sad. And those two, that library and chapel complex were named for two of those Reed children. One was for Arthur Reed and one was for Lily Reed Holt. And they were in memory of them. But the mother went down to sit by their graves and she might as well enjoy looking at the lake when she's looking at their graves. That's why she did that. So the Victorians had these, Victorian era, they had these cemeteries that were really places where you went to commune with lost family members, often parents with their children they'd lost. And it's hard for us to grasp how that would have felt to lose three or four kids uh, in your family, you know, and then to go and visit them by the cemetery. So the Lake Forest Cemetery, which is east of Sheridan Road, um, over to the lake, um, is a real uh, interesting memorial. There are fascinating sculptures in there, some of them of national importance. Um, there's a World War I memorial for the McKinlock, remember the McKinlock um, American Legion post? His monument is there in there with a, a bronze uh, World War I helmet on top, very striking. That gets us up to the Lake Bluff line. I think that takes us about, gives us a pretty good scale. We're out of gas. We're out of gas. Uh, <laughs> but it makes a nice unit because it's, it's the Lake Forest part of this Sheridan Road, which is in some ways is some of the richest part of the trip because Lake Forest actually preceded some of those other towns further down, they were started up later. Evanston was earlier, but the other ones happened later than Lake Forest. So Lake Forest history goes back earlier than the other suburbs. So we're, so we're getting off at Lake Bluff, just as we're entering yeah. Lake Bluff, Art? Well, okay, good. Then we're going to get a it. whole different story. Yeah. Art, thanks again for making me smarter in North Shore history. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the North Shore Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you like to hear about any upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete. It can be reached at pete at northshorepodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes. 
On behalf of my co-host, Arthur Miller, we thank you for listening. Our class on Arts Tour Bus is now over. Meet, meet, cue the band. <laughs>